You're listening to another episode of the Zag. Eric Rousseau here. Excited to be joined by Amargan Syed, our 2018 fellow, current NLC Institute co-director, and recently, as of this Monday, officially announced as our future chapter co-leader. So we're going to talk to him about that and some other things, too. Thanks for listening. Let's get to it. All right, Aragon, do you still want the job of leading NLC Los Angeles after Magic Johnson quit the Lakers yesterday, or would you rather have that job? <laughs> I feel like he just set a precedent where he just quits his job without telling anyone else. Um, let me put it this way. I would at least let you know if that ever happened. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah. But no, I, I, I'm super excited um, for this opportunity. And uh, yeah, just going from the Institute to, to like zooming out to the larger chapter uh, it's, it's an exciting time for, you know, our chapter, uh, given that we're kind of thinking about what we're going to do for the next few years and, and kind of charting that course is, is kind of like a, for me, it's, it's, it's an exciting challenge. Yeah. We'll talk a little bit about your vision for what you see ahead for the chapter in a little bit, but you know, I'm curious, so many alumni and even some of the current fellows are weighing a lot of interesting professional choices, right? Whether it's with their job or even some of their their side hustles or volunteer work that they do. For you, as you were considering something like this and leading NLCLA, what what factors went into the de- the decision making process? What led you to the to the outcome that you're at? Um, I, I thought very long and hard about um, what I wanted to do. Uh, what sort of work was going to be inspiring? What was going to be the work that was going to be tied to capacity building? Um, where I felt like I could add value was um, finding ways in which we could energize folks that were in our generation that who were really thinking about ways to represent their communities. And that's something I said last year during the NLC Institute. I said, I felt like the heart of the progressive movement lies within our generation. Because uh, we're right there, right? We're right there running for office, offices and, and just kind of really trying to rise up to leadership opportunities around us. Um, I really felt like the, if we were to create an engine for that movement, NLC would be a really good place to do that. Um, and it, it also felt like pretty representative of my, of, of my city. Uh, when I looked around, uh, and, and this is something you see in our institute, um, I really saw the diversity um, that I felt could be used in higher office. And I thought, well, if we could combine those two and, and create an environment where we could really bring in diverse perspectives uh, and sort of co-power these individuals to to take those challenges, uh, why not do it at NLC? Why not our chapter be that sort of uh, platform for for folks to be like, man, I'm so glad I did NLC because that was the launch pad into uh, you know my civic leadership career. Yeah, you know, we were talking a little bit over the weekend at Institute. We we're kind of floating some ideas around what. Y'all might do to riff on this idea that we're 10 years old this year. This is the 10th fellows class. And what could you do looking ahead for the 10 years? And you had this phrase that I liked. I've been thinking about since you said it. Um, Can I come back to NLC? Uh, What do you feel like is, you know, we may go with that. We may go with something different. But what do you feel like is is at the heart of that and why that was something that popped into your mind? Um, I feel like, uh, and this is something that also in my conversations with you and other folks is, we are at a at sort of like um, I'd like to think just at a crossroads. We've had this really great run of ten years under your leadership, where we've built out a chapter that now has um, a different look, right? And and this is something you riff on in terms of like sort of like the old new leaders council and sort of like the new <laughs> new leaders council. Yeah. 
I feel like we can have both. I really feel like the folks who've kind of had um, experience with this institute and, and have come to our events and want us to engage, the invitation is come back to us because we need you. We're, we're building uh, on the foundation that has been laid in the first eight or you know nine or 10 years. And now we need you to do the next stage of this build where we are trying to um, engage more. We're trying to create programming. We're trying to uh, really lean in on the people who've been here before to give us the ideas that we need to do the next uh, phase of building. So for me, I, I'd love for people to believe that this is a chapter that they would like to return to and in sort of like a symbolic way, pick up a piece of brick that they would like to contribute and help us build the infrastructure for the next 10 years. Um, and that's why the invitation is so important, because we need those folks just as much as we need new folks to come in. Yeah, I think that makes a, a lot of sense. And it, like I said, the, the phrase was very <clears throat> compelling to me, this idea of, of coming back, uh, but then coming back, not to, to look back, but to but to look ahead and come up with new stuff. So I think you're onto something there. We'll see wh- where we end up. But I think there's there's definitely something to to keep going on with that. You know, I think one of the interesting things too, I'd be curious to hear what your thoughts were. Anything surprise you from this year's fellows class about what they wanted to talk about or what they've spent a lot of their energy on compared to even just a year class last year? Cause I feel like, you know, things are, are changing so rapidly month to month politically and otherwise and changing so fast in LA. Like where do you feel like the pulse is for this year's group? You know, Year to year, and, and, and I'm so glad I got to co-direct this institute because uh, it, it really is like sitting from in, the, in, the, in a chair in Tennis Channel and standing up and talking in front of everyone <laughs> um, and then seeing that experience, right? And, and I've been so fortunate in having an amazing partner in crime in Maria who really has this amazing didactic approach to keeping everything um, in, in sort of like a, a learning modularity. Uh, and And... To me, what stands out for this specific court is there's a greater desire to um, to emphasize stories that go beyond the the typical categories we look at when we think about creating an inclusive chapter, an inclusive institute experience. Um, you know, we've had folks push for the, the 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 indigenous perspective. We've had folks push for more of the API perspective, um, and and this is where. The, you know, kind of assembling the class was so important because we needed as many perspectives perspectives uh, in there as possible um, to really round out as much of the experience. And we can only give them so much in, in the Institute experience. So um, it's been really cool to see the, 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 the cohorts say, here's more programming we could do in this space or this space. Um, and I've really enjoyed that challenge. Yeah, that's interesting to hear because we were seeing some of that in the Engage program too. I think for the first time, we really felt the fellows in that program, which for folks that don't know, is a little more policy-based and it, it meets uh, fewer times, but deep dives on, on particular topics each time they meet. So we did uh, stuff about entertainment industry in Hollywood. We did stuff about prison abolition and also climate change. But threaded through a lot of those was, you know, a lot of pushing on the idea of capitalism, um, yeah. a lot of a lot of pushing on systems that I haven't heard in, in ways before from many folks. You might have had one or two folks throughout the NLC years do those things. Are you hearing the same thing and like really, you know, thinking of uh, not just kind of on the margin reforms or even maybe kind of in the middle reforms, but looking at the whole system and and upending it and putting in something new? Yeah, so that's something that's definitely come up in terms of the fact that um, capitalism as a system is in many ways failing our communities. Um, And I think in in the discussions that have come up, it has actually gone to the institutional side of things. Uh, We've seen a lot of uh, speakers uh, talk about 
okay, this is what's happening in this space. And a lot of times the, the, the conversation actually veers back to, well, how much of that is structural? And how much of that needs to be appended by folks like us? Because we come in with this implicit sort of assumption that we need to operate within this system, figure out a way to like change the system from within. And I think this is actually true of our, of our core too, which, which was, I actually like that flavor because it, was, it didn't go off of the assumption that we need to sort of, the underpinnings of the system aren't working for us, especially for our generation as we look at the sort of the world we have inherited from the baby boomers. And, and, and we're kind of seeing the dissonance that occurs in a system that promotes upward mobility, but somehow ends up being very successful for some people, but for the majority of the people actually ends up helping you stay behind. Um, and that's something that our, I think Discord is constantly kind of naming, uh, which I've really appreciated, especially when we talk about the vast array of speakers that have come in. Uh, so it seems like it's being hit from different angles uh, and we seem to sort of like converge to the same conclusion that the structural issues, whether we talk about sort of like the institutional racism that seems to have uh, really permeated a lot of our, uh, our conversations or the larger sort of the neoliberal uh, capitalist system that, that seems to be uh, at play here. Yeah, that makes sense. Listen, when we come back after the break, I want to talk a little bit more about some of your vision for the governing board, and then we'll probably close out talking smack to each other about basketball teams since the playoffs start soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Zag. We'll be right back. Yeah, so I know you and your your co-leader um, after August Lucerito are working on some draft ideas and concepts for the reconstitution of our governing board um, give folks maybe a, a sneak preview of some of your initial thinking on that. So I think we, we would want folks to, and this is what we said to folks at the board meeting. Um, and that was just like we're asking the alums to buy back in, we need you to. So the invitation is, as we do the next phase of the build, so much of the knowledge of this chapter lies with this amazing board that has seen us through the seasons of classes and, and institutes. Uh, it would be a shame to lose all that. So what we're trying to figure out is essentially ways in which we can make the board um, formalize some roles within the board, uh, really figure out ways in which we can play to the strengths of the people who are within the board. Uh, if, if somebody excels in something very specific, we want to figure out a way to uh, give them that, essentially show us your superpower. Let's put you in that place and really help you execute. Uh, and the other thing is, what are we doing to engage a larger alum base. To, to, to take your point, we're at a 10-year mark. How do we go back into that specific space and say, all right, this is what we've got for you. We're a year-round chapter, and this is how we're going to keep you engaged. And to your point, something you raised, which I really liked, is if engaged is such a good experience for people who are going through it, how much of engaged can we actually extract and give our alums an experience of, right? So much of policy topics that are, get, uh, that are getting talked about and engaged uh, I know a lot of alums would love to have a piece of that. So how do we stitch together ways in which we, when we invite people back, we actually have some programming that is very specifically tailored to alums uh, that want that same experience that they had in, in the Institute. And, and, and what can we do to create that? So between giving the board sort of like very, uh, a strong sort of operational role, uh, also figuring out ways in which we uh, tailor our outreach and programming so that alums come back and they're like, wow, uh, love to be a part of this. How can I get involved? Cool, we've got something for you. Yeah, that's all. That sounds great. Excited to to see that process come to fruition. And and for folks listening, you know, we hope to have that application process a little bit later this spring. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, last thing, you are a basketball fan of a certain team. I'm a basketball fan. 
yeah. of a certain team as well. Why don't, why don't you go first and make your case for why your, your, your team and tell folks which team it is, but why, why your team has a chance to make a good run through the playoffs. So, uh, as I look at you, I'm wearing a green, uh, watch. <laughs> I have, I'm looking at a green Boston hoodie and, um, a hoodie that I don't get to wear in this town too much. I had somebody at the airport say to me, don't ever wear this outside, uh, in LA, no less. So I, I, so my, obviously my allegiances are to the Boston Celtics. Actually, I'm going to make the case we aren't going to go far. And I'll tell you why, because as a team, they've just been so hot and cold. Inconsistent teams are classic candidates for second round flameouts. Um, I'm not sold on the Kyrie bandwagon. I think he's going to leave us. He's going to go to New York and he's going to create a super team with Kevin Durant and, and, and Jimmy Butler. So he feels like a rental. I think the city of Boston's at this point in time, just saying, Hey dude, just do your thing play this season out and then you and your bulky knees can go to the Knicks and they'll overpay you. Um, I just think, I just think I can think of three teams that are better than the Celtics right now. And I think we're leaning too heavily on Brad Stevens to rescue them. But like, I think the Raptors, the Bucks and, um, oh man, I'm forgetting the third team, but like, uh, even the, I, I would even say the Sixers might be even yeah. uh, decent. So if you're talking about that, I don't know if the, 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 the Celtics make the cuts and your Rockets on the other hand, I think, this could be the year they either make it or they have to figure something else out. Um, I think they have a better shot than the Celtics do to make it to their respective conference finals. Yeah, a lot actually will hinge on tonight because they blew that game yeah. in Oklahoma City last night. So they're seeding. You can make a case actually that maybe it better serves them if they end up in the fourth seed and play the Warriors in the second round because conceivably Chris Paul still has hamstrings by then. Who knows after that? Um, but yeah, I feel like the seating ultimately, right? The seating will ultimately serve them well or, or, or it won't, but yeah, I mean, they were what one right hamstring away last year. And if they make two out of 27, three pointers, then maybe they get out in game seven. So yeah, we'll see where it goes. But yeah, I, I I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Like this is similar to you in terms of clothing. I have three rocket shirts. Um, so I'm really seeing trying to decide which one is going to be the luckiest for the playoffs. So the first round usually is a good ch- time to, to test out those, those shirt things. I'll make sure to keep people posted I mean, um, cause they yeah, want to know. Yeah. LA has not been, I mean, Boston's not been kind to LA, right? Uh, the world series, yeah. uh, obviously yeah. Super Bowl and everything. So at some point in time, Heather keeps, you know, telling me you have to pick an LA team. And at this point in time, the LAFC is pretty much in the loop. Yeah. And they're right by USC. Right. So at this point in time, I got to pick an LA team. Um, so I think I'm going to go that way, but we'll, we'll have to see how this goes. Cause it seems like even though the Rockets are, have a, have a decent shot and at this, you, they should win on the road against the Warriors if they want to go far. Um, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard with the Warriors though. I, I feel like everyone's, it's kind of like that Larry Bird thing where Larry Bird walks in with his warm ups on for that three point competition. And he says, all right, who's playing mm. for second place? Um, yeah, yeah. and I feel like everybody feels like it's kind of like a fit accompli in that way. So we'll, we'll have to see, but I'm watching, I'm watching definitely. Yeah, definitely. Well, listen, thanks for coming on. Appreciate you and all your commitment to the Institute and definitely excited to see where you take the chapter from here. Thanks everyone for listening to this episode of the Zag. You can get all past episodes in the usual spots. You get podcasts, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher. There's about 120 plus episodes of other amazing alums like Armagon. So check it out, hear what the progressives are doing both in LA and across the country. Until next time, catch you soon.